Hello and welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I am Tyler Smith. I am David Bax. And thank you for listening. David. Yeah. How you doing? Uh, I'm doing well because we have new postcards. Okay. From our friend Peter. Peter likes to send us postcards. Um, Postcard Peter. That's what I call him. Yeah, that's right. Um, so uh, he sent us three. Okay. All at once or is this, uh, I, they accumulated this might, over time? two separate Okay. Because one says one of one, one of two, and the other says two of two, and then okay. there's another one. But the post, they're postmarked on the same day. Okay. So I don't know um, if, uh, I'm going to read the last one last. So I'm going to do one of okay. one here. Sorry, one of two here. Um, Peter says my uh, wife and I watched Burn After Reading her first time my second. She audibly gasped. Oh, spoilers. She yeah. audibly gasped when Bill Brad Pitt got shot. This made me think of other gasp-inducing moments of surprise that occur mid-movie as opposed to twist reveals at the end of the movie or just shocking moments in horror movies. I mean, really unexpected scenes that play with audience expectations like expecting a big star like Brad Pitt to make it to the end of the movie. One of my favorite gear shift moments is the chest bursting scene in Alien. Sure. Goes from sci-fi to horror pretty quick. What are some of your favorites? Do you have any you can think uh, of? Well, I mean, it's 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 an obvious one, but uh, Psycho okay. is a big one yeah, where Marion I was going to say the crying game, which... Sure. I think people... Th- when they think of it, they think of that being a an, an end of the film reveal. Oh, but yeah, it, it's like but halfway it through. It's halfway yeah. through. Yeah. Um, yeah, and uh, I mean, I guess in its own way, Fight Club, but that's towards the end. Right. That's kind of what what transitions us fully into like the third act. Um, but yeah, I'm sure, and I know that. Um, I remember that as far as like gasp inducing, uh, Jack Vincennes getting shot in LA confidential. Cause he's one of our three leads. Right. Yeah. And then it just, and it comes like so out of nowhere and it's like, Oh, I guess he wasn't. Yeah. Uh, let's move on. Um, and, uh, I remember that one really, really jumping out at me. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, and then, this is the other, this one's standalone. I don't, don't, still don't know if it was sent first or second, but I haven't said where these are, 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 are from. The first two are both from McMenamin's Calaba or Kalama Harbor Lodge in Kalama, Washington state. Um, and, and so we've got some, some nice photos of the, uh, of the grounds of this, uh, this lodge, right? Yeah. On the water. Looks here. Nice. This one looks like some fun cocktails. All right. Uh, and then this one's from Ape Cave. <laughs> Ape Cave in Mount St. Helens National Volcanic Monument. Ape Cave. That sounds like a 50s uh, yeah. sci-fi horror, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so from Ape Cave, I mentioned him in the Ape Cave writing. <laughs> sure. Like hunched over like with a, uh, like a, a lantern. Yeah, oh, of course. Yeah. Uh, I greatly enjoyed your episode on friendship. The movies do love, divorce, parenthood, etc. pretty well, but real true friendship is an interesting dyna- dynamic. Honorable mention, the final scene of Dances with Wolves when Wind in His Hair says, I will always be your friend. Sure. I tear up every time. I need to rewatch Dances with Wolves. It's been a long time. You know, this, this goes to a, a question that, that I think um, was said, uh, was asked of us on the, on the Patreon. Um, I think that Dances with Wolves holds up. Yes, there is the 
possibility of a white savior, except he doesn't save anybody. Um, so, which is kind of sad. Um, and I think it's actually, it, it the material is handled very respectfully. It doesn't, I don't think that it's patronizing, uh, or roman- I, it might romanticize like the native American culture a little bit, but I think it does so from a place of, of trying to view these characters as humans instead of mm-hmm. the, this mysticism that I think people often associate with native Americans. Uh, and visually it's quite gorgeous and there's a lot of great supporting performances, including Graham green and, uh, Maury Chaikin, uh, early on in the film. Um, I, I think it's worth watching certainly. Uh, all right. Well, um, okay. Now I got to, uh, transition into thank you peter for those uh those, those cards especially Absolutely. the one from ape cave uh, yeah i like saying ape cave obviously um now i'm gonna go from grateful mode to cranky griping oh mode. good um i don't know if you well yeah of course yeah, i'd say i don't know if you saw this on twitter of course you did I, I i probably didn't um but uh, everyone rightfully is is dunking on this uh, ridiculous. Um, I'll say, yeah, I, I read the article, and the article is also gets under my skin a little bit. Really, it's the headline and the subheader sure. that everyone was dunking on, and that it's fun to like dunk on things, but this literally, like, legitimately, like annoyed, like made me mad. Okay, so. The headline of this article in the New York Times. New York Times? Who should know better? Um, the, the headline is, Why is every young person in America watching The Sopranos? The subheader is, The show's new audience is also seeing something different in it. A parable about a country in terminal decline. That's what it's always been <laughs> that's, about. That's, and, like, I looked up this Willie Staley who wrote the article. He's not, he's like 36. He's like, he's not, like, he's not a young person. Right. So did he, it just makes me so mad that again, the New York, the New York times who should like the great lady herself. Sure. should know better than to just pretend to have like noticed something that we've all known for 20 fucking years. Also and pass it off as like a, a great new insight and a new level of analysis. And, and, and like this marking this generational shift, look what the young people are seeing in this show that, but this, like it's from the fucking very beginning of the show. He sits down in front of Dr. Melfi and says, I feel like I came in at the end of things. The best is over. Like, did, do you New York times or Willie Staley? Do you think that we all just thought he was just talking about the mafia? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's, this goes back to uh, granted. It's a slightly different thing, but do you remember when the walking dead started? Oh, I know what you're saying. And so a lot of TV writers were like, you know, I mean, obviously there's the zombies, but I think the real threat is other people. It's like, yeah, uh, welcome to the party, pal. (laughs) In the world of film, this is nothing new. And I would say the fucking Godfather. Right. Yeah. And and Scorsese's mafia movies starting from the 1970s on have been about this. He's not stumbling on anything new much like the Sopranos itself took that. And by making it a TV show was able to delve further into it, which is, and making it this, uh, talking about like us post nine 11. I know it started before that, but it certainly incorporated. And and it also got more into, um, 
home life. It's a more domestic show, which I think, yeah. so it, um, whereas I think, yeah, the things you're talking about, like the Godfather certainly is like about institutional rot, but, sure. um, the Sopranos is often about, uh, the very like soul of an American yeah. and, and, yeah. and, uh, what, what if anything is at the, at the center of it and what are we, why are we, are we chasing things, um, that don't exist anymore again, because the country, you know, yeah. country in terminal decline is that's like the, that might as well be the subheader of the series, the Sopranos. And I just, I like, this isn't, my point isn't to sit here and point out all the ways that this particular take is, is stupid. It's that it makes me mad that takes like this can get traction that someone can just, just walk into a room, point out a thing that everyone already agrees on yeah. and be heralded as like, Oh, look at this new insight. I, I do. Are the young people and maybe this is the case. Maybe the young people who are discovering the Sopranos for the first time now, sure. Maybe they think they're seeing something that, wasn't there. That happens a lot when you see young people like, uh, Hey, did you notice that, you know, uh, uh I don't know. So I don't know. It's this character's, I, I can't, I'm like, Oh, flash. And now I can't, think I of an know I, I can, uh, boy, um, I wish I'm trying to think of, of, of an example of like, uh, 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 a movie where like this guy turns out, I don't think he was such a good guy all along. It's like, right. you didn't, you didn't notice that for the first time. Don't, don't think that the world that existed more than 20 years ago is full of rubes. Well, this is something that we talk about even in ourselves when, like when we think about older movies there, we tend to feel like because it was under the Hayes code, they're like, Oh, they weren't somehow, they somehow weren't aware of things. Uh, and then you go and watch a movie like a, to, mention a film that you talked about recently black narcissist and be like right. yeah that thing is chock full of sexuality yeah. it turns out they were aware of sexuality patreon, yeah com slash battleship pretension yes. like anytime we mention something on patreon it's like yeah hey you can hear us talk about a black narcissist yeah uh, it's it's a great way to support the the show and also i think we do pretty good work on there i think it's a lot of fun i have a um, lot of fun doing those episodes yeah and so uh but, but no uh, i i think it's something that we do but the other thing that gets me but the difference is when we were younger and dumber. Sure. Well, A, we got smarter as we got older and B, the fucking New York times didn't publish our yeah. half informed musings. That's true. That's what I'm so mad about here is yeah. like this, this seems like a, a bad blog post from a young person. Yes. But this is, this person is essentially our age. Yeah. And again, this is the New York times. It's supposed to like, means <laughs> it, it also reminds me of so you know i uh, one of my many little side hustles is as a uh, script consultant and so you know anytime somebody will write something in a genre my i'll even even before i read it, it's like have you watched a lot of stuff from this genre and they're like yeah i've watched a few things and so like i remember somebody had written uh, a zombie script and they said, oh, you know what? Uh, we're, uh, and oh, sorry, they didn't say it. This, there's a scene where a zombie had like fallen down a well uh, and, was, and had essentially contaminated this uh, farm's water supply and they desperately need it. It's like, that's a good beat. It also is something that I saw in The Walking Dead. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then and I, I said, like, 
have you seen The Walking Dead? And the person said, no, I haven't. And I said, okay, I would say before you write a zombie script, you should watch The Walking Dead consistently one of the most popular shows about zombies just so that you don't just accidentally do the exact same thing and it's one of those things like if you're going to if you're going if you are somebody and you think you have this hot take just do you know what take an hour (laughs) and just look up what people have written you know it's not as though uh, the sopranos is a small show it was Enormous people were writing about it from the word go yeah, all a lot throughout. Of Sopranos writing about it. It wouldn't there. take long to find somebody who might have had this similar take. Yeah. Like I do think that there's a certain lack of awareness, and we all have it at times. Uh, there's a certain lack of awareness that su- that says like, "Hey, I've really stumbled onto something." And then just that's where your thought process ends. Aside from right. I'm going to put this down on paper. Uh, yeah, like it's. I guess it's. I guess it's about research and just. I don't know. Maybe it's a little bit narcissistic in a way, just to kind of feel like you're so excited by this take that you're convinced that nobody else could ever have had this take, and yeah. you think that it's something that only a young person could have. Like, do you think that older people, like people in their current in their fifties, that maybe like were thirty uh, at the time, yeah. do you think that they were just sitting back and being like, "Boy, what a great mafia show!" Well, <laughs> back to my life. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And I, I, I know I, I already feel bad that I called that Willie Staley by name because I don't know that he he probably didn't write the headline and subheader sure. or whatever. Um, but I did read the article, and it's still. Some some of these criticisms still stand to the article too, but yeah, um, which is why I'm, which yeah. is why I'm mad. But uh, it was definitely the subheader that kind of uh, set yeah. me off. I can I can tell. I feel like it's been a while since I've seen you this angry. Um, well, uh, you know what I'm not angry about? What's that? TweakedAudio.com uh, earbuds. Oh. They're uh, TweakedAudio.com makes professional quality earbuds in a variety of stylish styles and colorful colors. They look great. They sound great. Uh, Tyler and I use them each and every day of our lives. Uh, today I was listening to, uh, a lot of jazz. I was on a, on a jazz kick hmm. to new, new jazz. Um, uh, I try to, uh, you know, sometimes I listen to things because it's like, Oh, uh, a band I like has a new album. I'm definitely going to check that out. Sometimes I'm just like, it's, edifying i'm trying to like stay up to date on things Mm -hmm. and so i listen to some new jazz i don't know uh what else to say about that but um uh, so i listen to a lot of it uh the one thing maybe i'll call out is um an album by uh amir el safar and the rivers of sound sorry there's no the in there amir amir el safar and rivers of sound the album's called the other shore um and it's kind of um there's definitely like some trad jazz, but like mixed with, uh, uh, like Arabic music influences. Mm. It's, uh, it's really good. And he's also, um, he's got a show coming up at the Valley performing arts center. I never go see jazz. Maybe I'll go, maybe I'll go see some jazz. It's something Jen and I, uh, used to do quite a yeah? bit. It's something that I, it can be a lot of, uh, really a lot of fun, especially if it's in a smaller. Oh yeah. Well, they, there was a, um, uh, I haven't been since I was a teenager, but in St. Louis, there is a place called BB's Blues Jazz and Soups. Mm. And it's like a, 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 yeah, a tiny like bar and restaurant um, uh, that that uh, has live jazz like every night of the week. 
there used to be a place in North Hollywood. It's a, it's not there anymore, but it was there when Jen and I lived there, and it was called Charlie O's. And where they, was that? That was, I want to say it was on Oxnard. Okay. Um, so it was very close. Um, and uh, yeah, they had live music every week, and it was always uh, it was always jazz, and it was really it was really uh, fun to go to. There is a place that I haven't been to since before the pandemic. Um, in uh, I love that we're getting like specific valley um canoga park uh and i can't remember the name of it but they also have live jazz um uh but then that place like it was like cheap strong drinks and live jazz i was like this place is awesome but then it also had like signs in the door that i'm like 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 uh irish need not apply yeah no it was like okay nothing about this is about nothing race is not mentioned here okay but this is clearly like uh, uh, uh what's the word i'm looking for um uh coded like a, yeah it's coded like a so it is like uh our dress code is like no backwards caps or sagging jeans or like it's like all these things i'm like are you just trying to keep like young black people out of your bar that's it what could it also be like. young it could also be young white people the point is we don't want young people there okay um, <laughs> um all right uh, you go to your hip-hop music with your beeping and the bopping or whatever uh, so yeah uh, um, used to say. a lot of beep, beeping and bopping in the <laughs> amir el safar uh, album <laughs> the other shore sounded great on my tweet audio.com earbuds they're available at a low low price nope they're available mm. They are available at a low, low price mm. at tweakedaudio.com. But if you use the offer code pretension at checkout, you get one third off that low, low price and no shipping charges. So please go to tweakedaudio.com and use the offer code pretension. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Tyler, do you ever listen to, um, like, more professional podcasts um, where they, if they flub something, like I just flubbed the middle of that read, they would do a second take and edit it in? Um, well, I, I mean, I, 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 they sound perfect to me, so I don't know if there's any editing oh, or they're just, but I'm saying every once in a while you listen to those and they forget to cut out. Yes. Like I, I, that's always very funny when I'm listening to like Buster only talk baseball on the ESPN podcast and like mess up someone's name and go, Oh, we'll take that again. Two, three, four. And it's <laughs> like, and it's in the episode. It like that time that I forgot to cut out. Uh, I mean, years ago when you and I were recording in my landlord, uh, do you remember this? Uh, Numberto, uh, oh, he I came up the, to ask about long time listeners. Remember this? Yeah. yeah. And I forgot to cut that out. And I don't, and I don't, I don't think you could really hear it no, on the mic, we but you could hear it. Yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, yeah. Who, who is feeding the cats? Who is feeding the cats? Yeah. Um, uh, we have a, a, a stray that our neighbors are feeding. No complaints. Um, uh, do you, uh, assume, cause I'm not checking genitalia on stray cats. Okay. Do you assume, cause I feel like I have this uh, default, like you assume, even though I have a female dog, 
dogs are boys and cats are girls, right? Is that like how people <laughs> like assume? Like, I'm not saying people actually think that's literally true. I'm saying that's like people tend to default to assuming those two things. I definitely know as someone who has a female dog, I know people just assume a dog is a male unless told otherwise because people yeah, will constantly know. say, especially because my dog has like a, uh, a fucked up leg and so people will always be like oh what happened to him and yeah. like sometimes even after i say like oh she blah 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 like they still like oh poor guy like yeah people just like will i will not hear that my dog is not a boy but do do people do the same thing with cats because what i'm saying is we have a stray cat and we have named her question mark carmella because we're rewatching the Sopranos and also because she's like caramel colored. Sure. Um, but it just made me think like, do other people just assume that cats are girls? <laughs> Unless uh, told otherwise. I've definitely run across it with, with dogs as far as like think just sort of assuming they're boys. I haven't run across it with okay. like anybody who, who comes to, to our house and they see Charlie or Molly. Uh, I have not noticed a theme of okay. them saying her in all, all right. in, I'm, I'm probably just past. probably just because I've had a female cat for 17 years. She's 17 years old. Yeah. So uh so is Charlie. Our uh, cats are getting old and uh I'm it makes me very sad. Uh, Especially because I feel like I've been neglecting Charlie because yeah. of the kids. Oh, right. And so I well, really have to go out of my way like at the end of the night to like I will go and lay on the couch. And there's oh. Molly, but she doesn't like me anyway. Uh <laughs> she never snu- uh, cuddled with me. But like at the end of the day I will go and lay on the couch. Charlie will hear me lay on the couch and wherever he is, he will come and lay on my chest. And so like I have to go out of my way to do that so that I get my Charlie cuddle time because it, it it's very true what people say that like when you have kids you just eventually you see your pet is like, Oh, they're just a pet. And I feel bad about that, but it is, it is true. It makes sense. Yeah. Um, my cat's name is Richelieu. I don't know. If, I'm sure. I've said that on the podcast. Probably. Yeah. Uh, her name is, is Richelieu. Um, and yeah, she's 17. She's definitely like slowed down a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, the first thing I noticed was like, cause it used to be trimming her claws was like I could do a few at a time before she tried to bite or scratch me or like run away. Uh, and it got to a point where she would just be like, all right, fine. I'll just let me trim yeah. her claws. And the other day I was trimming her claws and she like hissed and tried to bite me. And I was like, oh, good girl. <laughs> like I was so happy that she uh, wanted to take my hand off. Yeah. Cause I'm like, you, you still got some fight in you. Yeah. Um, but I mean, she's like, she's a little bit slower, but she's still like, she still runs around. She still jumps on oh, furniture and stuff. Um, I don't think, yeah, other than her hair being a little thinner, I don't think you would peg her as a 17 year old cat if you didn't know. Yeah. I, uh, and it's weird to think that like, you know, you and I have both, uh, lived in Los Angeles so long, you longer than me, but it's strange to think that like these, these cats of ours are Chicago cats. Yeah. You know? Well, yeah. Richelieu is a Missouri cat. She was born on a farm in Cape Girardeau, Missouri. That's right. Then went, uh, with her sisters. Um, my, my sister got three cats from this, like. Uh, person she knew who had a whole litter. Mm-hmm. And so for a while, my mom and my sister and I all had cats who were sisters. Um, now Richelieu is the last girl standing. Hmm. But uh, I guess that means I got the best one. Uh, obviously. <laughs> or you uh, took the best care. I'd say it's that. Uh, okay. <laughs> now you're like, uh, uh, I think my mom listens to the podcast. So uh, Really? I, I, don't, I, I don't want to... Uh, 
I'm, I'm out of words today. Hey there. Uh, I don't uh, want to besmirch uh, her cat caring abilities. Don't say anything. Have we have we said her no, name no, before? No, that's not. Hey, David's mom. That's, okay, How's that's, it going? That's the end of that. All right. So uh, I miss you. Okay. <laughs> that doesn't um, make any sense. Okay. What we're going to talk about today. Uh, very germane to multiple things I've brought up. I've very brought much up so. The Sopranos a couple times, um, uh, and uh, the Many Saints of Newark, the uh, Sopranos prequel film, is uh, out now. When you're hearing this, mm-hmm. um, it's out tomorrow when we're recording it, uh, and it got me thinking about. You know, we've done movies based on TV shows. We mm-hmm. did that with Paul Goebel many, many years ago. Yes, uh, I don't remember doing it. I just know that we did it. Um, but I wanted to talk more specifically I about. I did a video thing of of that with him as well uh, back oh, uh, at Cinephile. That. We oh. talked about Dark Shadows, and I think we had him on to talk about movies based on TV shows. That's right. Um, but what I specifically wanted to talk about is TV. Like, there's a TV series, and then there's a movie that is not an adaptation of that TV series. It takes place within the same continuity. Yes. Um, cause that's, uh, a little bit rarer or considerably rarer than adaptations, but not as rare as I thought there's a, there's not a, as, not nearly as rare as I thought. Um, yeah, there's surprisingly a lot of them. The first place my mind goes obviously is star Trek, uh, which has sure. a, a whole franchise of movies that have the same cast and take place within the continuity. Um, of uh, of of the uh, of the series um and then um the other first place my mind goes is another sci-fi thing but uh serenity not the sure not the movie from a couple years ago with anne hathaway that um everyone laughed at i didn't see it but the joss whedon film based on firefly yeah the difference between those two though is that the star trek movies i think especially as they went on were made with the TV viewing audience in mind. Mm-hmm. Whereas Serenity is a movie that definitely like is colored by what happened on Firefly, but it was clearly a studio directive to like, we're going to be pushing this as just a standalone sci-fi action movie. And like, it needs to, um, hold up on its own. Yeah. Star Trek is interesting because, you know, the original series was only three seasons long. It had, of course, a fan base, but it wasn't a huge fan base. Uh, but then after Star Wars, every uh, in 1977, every studio is like, what do we have? <laughs> and it doesn't matter if it's alien, uh, which couldn't be further tonally from Star Wars. Right. It takes place in space. And it's like, well, shit, man, we've got Star Trek. Imagine if we gave this the big budget treatment. So that first Star Trek, same same cast um, as the as the show, but that first one is not necessarily a reboot, but it is like we want to try and bring in more people than just the original fans. Uh, which is why I think Wrath of Khan is so interesting because while I don't think you have to have any association with the character of Khan from the show to enjoy it. The fact that they chose to do that, that that film is an extension of a story that took place on the original series. That's something that I, I remember thinking in retrospect, I think like, oh, that that could be seen as a little bit risky. And it became clear right. that like, yeah, we're not going to try and distance ourselves ourselves from this rather cheap looking show, especially compared to these film budgets. Uh, and I, that's something that I think is uh, kind of admirable. 
um, especially with those. And then as time has gone on, certainly with these new Star Trek films, uh, they really are trying to just go as, as broad as, as possible. And I, I enjoy them, but I know that there are Star, Te- Star Trek fans that just fucking hate the new movies because <laughs> they're not really that, don't seem that interested in the tone or lore of Star Trek. But uh, yeah. I talked more about this than I expected. No, to. that's fine. J.J. Um, Abrams is really good at making <laughs> movies that the core fans <laughs> don't care for. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, uh yeah, I felt like there was something else I was going to say about either Star Trek or Serenity or, or or both. But I guess the difference between those two, Firefly had ended mm-hmm. and then was revived for a one-time only movie yeah. thing. Whereas that was the case with Star Trek initially, but then Next Generation comes back, the, yeah. the, those films. I never saw... I've only, The only Star Trek movies I've seen at all are the six original cast movies. Okay. And I know, obviously, Generations has both. Yeah. Um, I never saw Generations or any of the ones after that, but those, I mean, they were making Star Trek movies with the P- Picard and stuff cast while the show was still going on. Uh, right? Gosh, now I don't remember. I don't remember what year Generations was. Okay, well, let's, let's, let's look it up because we are so good at podcasting. Yes. Uh, and unlike certain well-known publications, we do our research before we talk. That's not true. Yeah, or um, mid-talking. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Okay, so Star Trek Generations was 94. Oh, then yes, it must have, it absolutely must have uh, aired, uh, uh, played while uh, the show was still going on, because I think the show went into the mid to late 90s. No, it went to 94, so maybe it was. Oh. Oh, yeah, I thought it went longer too. Hmm. So I guess it was like after the end of the show. Okay. Um, I guess I was wrong. And maybe like, you know, it's clearly this thing that's meant to sort of shepherd the world of Star Trek The Next Generation into movies and only movies because I think there are, let's see, there's Generations and then First Contact and then Insurrection and then Nemesis and I think those are the uh, Next Generation movies. Is that all? I haven't seen all. It feels like they made more but I guess that's it. Yeah, I didn't see Insurrection. It wasn't very, I've heard it wasn't very good and then Nemesis, I heard, was a step up. But, yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll have to go back and watch Generations. I have to start with Generations. Of course. Because I've seen... I saw, I saw Generations and First Contact in the theater with only minimal interaction with the actual show. I'd seen some of it. Okay. Um, and uh, I remember First Contact being pretty good. But that's one that sort of that very much similar to something like um, uh, Wrath of Khan. It's like The Borg. That's first okay. contact is very, there's a big, it, it, the, the enemy there is the Borg. And that is, I, I knew a little bit about them from the show, but it's like, I get the feeling I really, uh, would have more appreciation for this if I had seen, uh, some of these episodes. Um, so I was wrong, I guess that this was happened, that they were like going off making movie and going back and making more TV, mm-hmm. but there are examples of that. Yeah. The X Files did two movies, and they did more. They did a movie and then more TV, then a movie, and then there was the miniseries, I yeah. guess, uh, a few years ago. Um, and uh, Veronica Mars also ended up doing the same thing. They was mm-hmm. ran for three seasons, then they made a movie, um, and then they came back and did another miniseries. Um, it does. There, de- it definitely does seem to be a situation, at least with with live action stuff. I'll get to animation in a minute okay. because there's a lot of there are a lot of instances. Yeah, I didn't of this. Even think about that. Yeah. Um, 
but it de- and community is is a show that c- kind of did this where the the watchword was six seasons and a movie uh okay. and that that idea of and a movie kind of suggests that like the movie is how you cap it all off uh either maybe it's gone off the air but let's let's revisit this one last time in a way that isn't going to require years of, of viewing from people um but yeah and so in a lot of these including the, the ones that we've talked about already it the movie does seem to be like an opportunity to sort of pay tribute to the fans one last okay. time. And, and then sometimes like in the case of Veronica Mars, I think the movie like sort of reignites, right. uh, and especially in the days of the internet uh, of, of like, well, Hey, this was really good. You know what? We, I think we actually want more of this. And then the studio realizes that there is a market here. And then it's like, let's, let's see if we can get even more out of it. So let's do another mini series. Let's do another show, whatever. Um, speaking of you know, the modern age and how things are watched, if we were, we're talking about movies as theatrical releases. Yeah. Cause if we were to talk made for TV movies. We would never be able to stop. Doing, there's sure. almost every, like so many shows have made like, yeah. but how do you categorize the Deadwood movie? Is that a movie or is that a made for TV? I like, mean, these days it's because, because now that people are used to seeing first run movies at home, mm-hmm. you know, um, is there any significant difference between, um, the Deadwood movie and Serenity? Uh, it's tough. I mean, that goes to that goes to an even larger conversation about what counts as uh, as a, a movie. And we did a whole episode. Uh, we did. So we um, we already put it to bed. We settled it. That's, all right. So you know what? Do. I'm not even going to address it. Uh, <laughs> moving on. Uh, no, and it's t- but I do think that because it is based on a TV show uh, and it's a continuation of that, and I think it could be argued it's an entire season of it crammed into one movie. Um, yeah, unlike Serenity, which is made to stand alone to people who don't know, like Deadwood movie is clearly made for people who know Deadwood. Yes. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, and I think it was up for a number of, it was eligible for like a bunch of Emmys. But yeah, but that not, seems out of date to me sometimes. Sure. Uh, well, yeah, I'd say awards uh, award shows are usually uh, a little bit behind. Yeah, yeah, because I definitely like uh, was, I'm a member of a critics group that has film awards and television awards. Uh, and I actually said what I'm about to say on an episode of the podcast you weren't on. Um, but I, when it came to the television awards, I completely forgot to nominate small, the small acts movies for anything, hmm. even though they were eligible because of my, my, my mind, I wasn't thinking of them as television. Yeah. I, um, uh, yeah, I felt, I felt like I felt dumb afterwards yeah. being like, Oh, I should have, this would have been the place to show some love to, to small acts, but I completely forgot because I don't think of them as, 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 as television. Well, and then there's the, the flip side of things, which, uh, what was it? Twin peaks, the return. I remember there are some people who said like, who put that on like their list of like the best movies. And I was like, I think I don't see how you could make any argument that this is, that this show with multiple episodes, yeah. you could say it's a mini series. That's fine. But how are you making this argument? I'm sure you saw it too, right? Yeah. People saying that. Yeah, it, it, um, it bothers me, but I can't. Uh, people can do whatever they want. They you can. Uh, and I guess you and I can respond to it as we have. Uh, that's yeah. dumb. What they did was dumb. Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so in, this, in the 
spirit of of uh, you know a TV show has ended, and maybe sometimes it's a situation where the show has ended on its own terms, and other times the show has been canceled. And so, in the case of something like Futurama, uh, there was the show which eventually got canceled, and then they they made independently, not for theatrical release, it was for DVD release at the time, they made four movies. Right. Uh, and then that kind of kick-started Futurama coming back uh, a couple years later. Right. Uh, and then it lasted for several more seasons at that point. Um, but yeah, and those movies are all, each one kind of feels like, I have all four of them. Yeah. Um, those movies feel like, just long episodes, but there is a continuity there. Uh, Futurama is a lot more serialized than I think we realized, especially starting with the movies and then going into the later seasons as well. Um, not as, not quite as episodic as, as, uh, as it was earlier. Um, and yeah, and yes, Futurama is an animated show, mm-hmm. but the, a lot of the animated shows I'm about to talk about are ones that are for like a younger audience, like, Batman Mask of the Phantasm, which was a theatrical release, yeah. and I think it was, I think it w- did play when the show was still airing. Okay. Um, Cowboy Bebop, uh, the DuckTales movie, uh, let's see. I, oh, I yeah, guess, I guess The Simpsons did a movie. Simpsons did a movie. Yeah. South Park. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah. But then that is, I guess, for, for adults. Uh, it's not a cartoon, but uh, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, like that was a movie that came out while the show was still going on. Wait, the recent one? No, there was one, uh, yeah. yeah, many years ago. I didn't remember there was a movie back then. Uh, let's see. And then just looking at, and then I remember there was a, this was a big deal for, for me when I was very young. Uh, there was a Tiny Toons movie that was released sure. straight to video called How I Spent My Summer Vacation. Oh, I remember that, yeah. And I, I looked it up today because, like, it's one of the places my mind went, and I thought, like, yeah, but was that, I didn't remember how long it was. If it was, like, essentially just an episode released to, to, to video. And no, it's like 80 minutes long. It's a full, it's a genuine feature length film. And I remember renting it when it came out and being very excited about it and really liking it. So, uh, but now that's, uh, and I'm going to like, uh, reveal that I haven't seen either X-Files movie, but, um, the difference between what, what those shows you're talking about is that they're not that heavily serialized. So like a movie can come out and they, yeah, you could not have seen the movie and it not, wouldn't mean anything. Right. But like, uh, what was the first X-Files movie called? I want to believe or fight the future. I don't remember. I think it's called fight the future. Um, but I could, you know what? I have no confidence in that. Let's see. X-Files. X-Files. I want to believe was 2008. So yeah. Okay. Um, cause I think the first one was in like the, like 96, 97, I think. Um, you know Why? You know why I know that? Oh, weird. IMDb just has it listed as The X-Files in Fight the Future. Oh, okay. But it was, in my mind, it was called Fight the Future. Maybe that was the tagline for it. I saw, I remember seeing that on the poster. Yeah. Uh, 98. 98. Yeah. So well, I guess but my question is, so X-Files, the movie, which I thought was called Fight the Future. Tell me, X-Files fans, if I'm crazy. Yeah. Um, or is this like a uh, uh, Edge of Tomorrow type of uh, sure, yeah. <laughs> situation? Um so that movie comes out in 1999, 1998. The, the show, does the show then when it comes back have to acknowledge the events of 
the movie? Having not seen, actually having seen very little of the series itself, uh, and then not having seen the movies, but also knowing that there was definitely, yes, there was an episodic quality to it, but there was also a running story. Sure, yeah. Uh, and given that I know that, like, the at least the the fight the future movie I, that's i'm calling it just okay. fight the future i'm not even calling it x files good i like that um i it, in true edge of tomorrow fashion yeah. <laughs> uh, or as i call it uh lived i repeat lived i repeat um but uh that has cuz the under, the the undercurrent of the show was aliens and abduction and, and that sort of thing uh and from what i understand the movie had was completely about that so i have to imagine it played into the larger continuity um so that's but, interesting, but i, but I don't actually like, know that's speculation on my part but that's um like it, it's i guess the show is a big enough hit but it seems like a, a a bold move to say like you're a fan of this tv show in order to keep following it, you have to do this other thing. You right. know, it's like, um, I know like movies and TV aren't that different, but it feels like, I don't like, what if, what if there was a show that I watched and then they like, okay, instead of a four season, um, we're going to do a video game. I'm like, well, I don't like video games, but do I have to like, if it comes back for a fifth season, then am I like going to miss out on it's, uh, it seems like a weird uh, gambled, uh, but I'm kind of uh, on board with it. Yeah, uh, I remember when I when I went back to school uh, at uh, UCLA, there was uh, I read this article about the way that the Matrix like took full advantage of various mediums or well, media, media, including um, uh, video games. Yeah, they um, the Wachowskis like. Even though most people would have been like, oh, the actress who played the Oracle died and they had to recast her. They wrote into the video game a whole explanation for yeah. why the Oracle looks different <laughs> in the second and third movie than she did in the first movie. Yeah. And they and they they brief, very briefly acknowledge it in that movie. Okay. Uh, but yeah, they I remember like there's full on canon stuff that may not officially be necessary, but will definitely help enhance your understanding of the matrix universe. Um, and we sort of, I guess it's not quite as, as cut and dry as what you're talking about. But like, I know that what, like I've, I've seen maybe one episode of agents of shield, but that's all part of it. But that's the op- opposite of what we're talking about. Cause that was a movie. The MCU existed first. Right. Yeah. Then, yeah. Um, but yeah, also, uh, from what I understand, yeah, I've also seen be two episodes, I think of that show, but, um, from what I understand, like the Kevin Feige wanted nothing to do with the agents of the shield or the Netflix shows. Oh, like, okay. like I think to a lot of MCU people, the Disney plus shows are the first actual sure tv shows in the mcu which is interesting because uh, the the netflix shows like and uh, agents, agents of shield like they actively reference like the battle of new york and, yeah. and agents of shield obviously like when the events of winter soldier come out and you realize that like there was all the there were all these like undercover hydra agents like that was heavily reflected on agents of shield but I, what i'm saying is i think the the people who were running agents of shield were reacting to like, Oh fuck, I guess we got to write this in now. Yeah, I don't yeah. think they were being consulted and it was no, no, happening no. in tandem. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, but to go back to something, when we were talking about the matrix of all things, uh, I mentioned recasting. Here's a question for you. Okay. Does 
Brian De Palma's Mission Impossible count because Jim Phelps, the lead of the the main character of the Mission Impossible TV show, mm-hmm. is in Mission Impossible the movie, but he's played by John Voight instead of Peter Graves, which is weird because Peter Graves was still alive. I don't know. He why. was, yeah. Uh, but isn't isn't Ethan Hunt one of the one of the operatives in the original? Oh, maybe uh, he is. I don't know. Um, I, uh, I didn't. Uh, I didn't know that. I, I uh, if that's true, then no, it wouldn't count. I guess. Right. Um, but I, but I might be, I might be wrong about that. But yeah, if that were the case, then I'm, I, I feel like at that point, it's just like they went with a name that you know, but just wanted to, wanted to capitalize on, on. Mission Wait, what's Impossible. the name that you know? Jim Phelps. Oh yeah. Okay. Um, uh, is his name Jim? Yes, yeah, Jim. Okay. Yeah. Uh, uh, all right, I'm going to read. Um, no, the the main characters, unless he's like only in a handful of episodes, the main characters on uh, Mission Impossible, the TV series, were Jim Phelps, Barney Collier, Willie Armitage, and Cinnamon Carter. Oh, nice. So I don't know if there's an Ethan Hunt. Okay. Uh, apparently Sam Elliott played Doug Robert for 13 episodes. Oh. Good for him. Doug Robert. I don't know of Robert as a last name. Robert's obviously, right, but, but I don't just, think of Robert. Yeah, I love. Uh, it's off point. Yeah, it's a when. Well, it reminds me of one of my favorite lines in Anchorman when uh, uh, Will Ferrell was like prank calling Christine Applegate and trying to pretend to be a doctor or whatever, mm-hmm. and he has to make up a fake name on the spot. Uh, Chim Chim Richards. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so let's see, looking at my, at my list, as you mentioned, like it's, it's, it is, I mean, it's not a cheat or anything like this, but like looking at so many of these, uh, the television is episodic. And so you can make Batman 1966, like you can make that, uh, with, you know, the big four villains, but you can also like, you know, strangers with candy, Reno 911 Miami, which itself is a hilarious title. I love that title so much. Um, I still have not seen the Strangers with Candy movie. I love that show. Oh, it's fun. Okay. See, see, Natalie, who's a Strangers with Candy, like, mega fan. Yeah. She's always like, "Eh, I guess you should watch the movie, but it's no right. Like, she's not a, she's not big on the movie. It's, I mean, it's basically just, it's a long episode, really. Um, And then, you know, Tim and Eric's billion dollar movie is like, what's that's a sketch show. Yeah. So I don't think, but okay. But does Wayne's world count? A Mm. a feature adaptation of a a recurring sketch. I guess you could say the same as like, but like Coneheads or blues brothers, blues brothers, which is in Roxbury. Yeah. Um, do those count? Like, uh, I don't know if, is there continuity in the sketches? I don't know if there really is. Probably not. If I had uh, to guess, which is the fascinating thing. I, I didn't watch that much of it, but, uh, you know, Kroll show. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember the premise of that. It was a sketch show, but it was only recurring sketches and they all had continuity. So, it Oh, was I like, didn't know that. It was almost like there were like six different little shows going on that you would like jump around from over the course it's like of the cloud series. atlas is a sketch show <laughs> yeah, exactly that sounds exhausting to make <laughs> um but uh oh one thing looking at my at my list here um i did want to mention while while uh twin peaks the return is not a movie twin peaks fire walk with me is a movie um and a, and a prequel uh no less yeah and that's that's okay that's um 
And that was theatrically released, yes? Yeah, oh yeah. Uh, and um, I, I saw it at the New Beverly a few years ago, uh, many years ago. Um, but yeah, that's one, like I was talking about, where, uh, you know, the events of Fire Walk With Me are, they happened in The Return. You know, mm-hmm. like that's that's part of the, it becomes part of the lore. It's not like something that, like the South Park movie, you could yeah. like excise and still... Uh, the show still makes sense. Oh yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it's a part of the the fabric of the show now. I do. It's so interesting. I know that fire walk with me was not well received. Uh, and maybe it's the, like, I don't know. I think there are a lot of, of film critics who liked the show. Uh, but then the, the movie allows you to get more graphic in some ways. And I think they're just like, Oh, I think I like this more when it was suggested, um, as opposed to actually depicted. Uh, I don't know. I, 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 I guess that movie wasn't received well. It has a, I think a very good reputation now. Yeah. I don't know if it was more that like the, the TV series had more, um, it was more narrative driven and firewalk with me like has just long, long like, uh, sequences that have, that they don't, not everything in the movie is moving the plot forward. Right. Um, which is, probably what film critics like myself if i call myself a film critic yeah i do yeah, yeah. i'm on rotten tomatoes that's that's what it takes there you go <laughs> well these days and i'm not trying to make a political statement like these days who the fuck isn't yeah you know everybody's a critic um yeah but not uh, everybody's part of two critics groups like you so you that's know what true. there I'm you part go of two uh, critics groups um so that's what yeah people like me love about fire walk with me but i guess if you're used to the show and you want like you've talked about other movies being like oh a feature-length episode of the show that's absolutely not what fire walk with me is right yeah that's true um and i could see i could see like cat because twin peaks the the original show was like it was so popular really like captured something and i could see the casual viewer watching fire walk with me not recognizing right not not knowing who david lynch was as a film director yeah and just being like oh this is uh i don't know what to do with this yeah um yeah which yeah makes- someone who's used to like uh you know oh my favorite shows are twin peaks and saint elsewhere or whatever <laughs> yes, like yeah like firewalk with me is not going to appeal to to that per- that fan of twin peaks i'll tell you one thing as i was thinking about these um there is a a movie that you would think for a while is simply an adaptation of, of the TV show like the fugitive, but it is revealed later. You probably know where I'm headed. I, I can't believe I didn't think about it. Yeah. Yeah. It is revealed later. No, it is just an, it's an extension of the show and that is Maverick. Oh, that's not what I was. I oh. thought you were going with 21 jump street. Oh, I guess there's that because too. Because yeah. they, they show up, uh, to that's true. Yeah. Guys show up in I forgot too. about that one. Um, um, but yeah, Maverick, uh, which the original show featured James Garner as Bart Maverick. Uh, and then is it Bart or Bert? I don't remember, but then there's Maverick with Mel Gibson and everyone keeps calling him Bart and he says it's Brett and James Garner shows up in a, in like a different role, but it's revealed later on that, it, it, that he is in fact Bart Maverick and he is Mel Gibson's father in the film. It's, it's kind of a silly reveal, but it's like, Oh shit. Okay. So this is, this does exist in the same casting. James Garner was not a, not like a, a, a nice homage. It in fact is this whole other thing. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, so that's, I haven't seen that in so long. 
That's a Richard Donner uh, movie. It uh, is. R.I.P. I watched that movie. Uh, my parents owned it on VHS, and I watched it a lot because the idea of having so much like anachronistic humor. Oh yeah, uh, sure. was very was like a new thing to me. Um, and also this week in my uh, in my. Uh, diversity in cinema class we talked about uh depictions of native americans and so uh there's a clip so graham green is in the film yeah and uh it's it's kind of funny the way he he talks in like not merely not like the stereotypical western native american uh he he talks like somebody from the 90s it's a very Uh self-aware kind of movie and i think maybe arguably to its detriment but i think he actually makes it pretty funny you know he's he's talking about like this this russian archduke who who wants to see the real west and and he goes ah we've had kind of a lousy year so i figure might as well just humor him and you know and it's like yeah it pays well and just um, that kind of thing what do you you should show your students dead man right uh, i re- i referenced dead man okay. but uh, but we watched smoke signals a different gary farmer film yeah i feel because you're um your students are not like film majors. Correct. So yeah, maybe smoke signals is an easier way to, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's going to go down a little easier than, than dead man. Yeah. It's whereas you and I went to a film school. Like I, um, I watched, uh, Derek Jarman's blue in uh, a class, which is a movie that is a full length movie that is just a blue screen and sound for entire hmm. 95 minutes or, or whatever. Um, I love that kind of stuff, but I guess if you're like taking a film class to fulfill a credit or like an elective or whatever, that's not, that's not the kind of movie you're, you're going to be seeing. Oh my no. Uh, <laughs> and, and you know, and this, this speaks, I think to just how, cut off from the average person I am uh, in movie circles. I feel like my tastes are very mainstream and I think they probably are. Uh, but then, and then like, and I'm not opposed to a movie being experimental, but I think I don't, my, my tastes don't necessarily run that way fully. Yeah. But then you come to realize that you talk to your average movie person and anything that is, that is even vaguely nonlinear is seen as experimental and off-putting and confusing. And it's not to say that people are dumb. It's just that they're used to seeing very mainstream Hollywood movies mm-hmm. that really want you to be able to keep up. Uh, and so anything that's like a stylistic flourish or, or a, a nonlinear uh, storytelling uh, aspect, or this goes back to what we were talking about with, Twin Peaks. There's plenty. There's a lot of experimentation in Twin Peaks, but it is still a character and community-driven yeah. drama. Uh, and then the film is just not at all. Inter- it's about everything that's happening underneath. Um, assuming that you've seen the show. But uh, anyway, uh, we can move on. Sorry about that. Uh, no, nothing to say sorry for. That's well, it's just, the nature of the show. Is I guess that, that is just, true. Uh, yeah. Uh, so what do you? You know, uh, the movie The Naked Gun. Um, yeah. from the files of police squad, it's, I mean, I had never seen a single episode of police squad when I saw naked. That's Gun. true of me too. Yeah. I've since seen a bunch of them because yeah. comedy central used to show them all the time. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I guess I, I feel like, yeah, these things count obviously, yeah. but I, I'm more interested in the ones that have more continuity, I guess. Uh, I have not seen El Camino. Did okay. you see it? I, I I watched it when we to do our um, our Forster. 
Oh, that's right. Uh, yes, episode. Yes. Um, and yeah, I liked El Camino. Um, Did it? Does it feel necessary, or does it feel like just a, a, a fun return to to this world? I mean, well, I'm. Not in the habit of only watching movies that I think are necessary to have been made. No, I, so like right. that 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 uh, doesn't really. The, well, the real question is: Is it worthwhile? Sure. Um, and I, I think it was worthwhile. I think El Camino was like a, uh, a, 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 like Breaking Bad was at its best, kind of just like a cool modern update of various types of crime okay. movies and westerns. You know. Um, I feel bad saying necessary. Essentially, I was trying to sidestep. Was it a cynical cash grab? That was my question. Uh, uh, or did it feel the making of it feel justified? No, I mean, I, I don't think. Uh, uh, I think, uh, and I'm forgetting his name. The guy who created Breaking Vince Gilligan. Mm. Um, I think he wanted to tell the story, and Netflix was like, "Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Why wouldn't we? <laughs> well, why wouldn't we?" Um, and yeah, it's a, it's a cool little movie, but, uh, it also like the Deadwood movie very much depends on you yeah. having seen, uh, breaking bad, knowing who Todd is, knowing like, uh, what, what happened to, to Walt. Um, but it's also, but aside from that, it also works. There's just a lot of like little cool scenes that's something that breaking bad was good at just like a little like set piece like the train robbery is one of the great mm-hmm. ones um and el camino has a, a bunch of those and then it also has the robert forrester scene which is it's a the scene is split into two the second half is like the plot specific one that it's him and and, and aaron paul right aaron paul aaron paul yeah, yeah. but first we catch up to him and I, I love that Vince Gilligan did this. It's just a whole long scene of him. Remember Robert Forster's job oh, yeah. is that he sells and repairs vacuums. Mm-hmm. It's just a whole long scene of him talking to a customer played by Marla Gibbs about whether she should bring in her old vacuum for repair or buy a new one. It's just like a now nice we're, long, Now we're talking. It's such a great scene. I love that Vince Gilligan did that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I imagine he's just like, okay, how can we conceivably have more screen time for Robert Forrester? Cause like story wise, well, he only fits him in this, in this capacity. It's like, well, what is it? What does he do for a living? We can, we can work with that. <laughs> yeah. And I, I, I like the idea that Vince Gilligan, maybe just always wanted to work with Marla Gibbs. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> and just like, I love the idea that Marla Gibbs was like flown to Albuquerque to do one scene about a vacuum cleaner. <laughs> and just like, <laughs> Yeah, it's a good payday for her. And uh, yeah, I'm sure that I like to imagine that they had fun together. Sure. Marley Gibbs. Um, Wouldn't it be funny if it was entirely uh, improvised and they both just happen to know a lot about vacuum cleaners? (laughs) Um, Okay, so looking at at my list here, uh, just a few uh, a few like stragglers that I probably should have mentioned elsewhere. Uh, The Transformers animated film uh, featuring the voice of uh, Orson Welles, among others. Uh, get smart, the nude bomb. Uh, not, I've, not I've the, seen that. So have I. Yeah. Um, not, not for many years though. Uh, no, I watched it, uh, uh, early, early pandemic, early pando. Oh, really? That's uh, right. Um, uh, because I wanted, when we did our Buck Henry episode, even though Buck Henry right. did not write the nude bomb, 
I wanted to reference Get Smart and I wanted to watch a movie. Okay. So I did watch The Nude Bomb. It's not great. Sure. It has a few m- moments, but it's very much not, it's not Buck Henry. It's not that, right. that, that crew. Yeah, it's, uh, I, I enjoyed watching Get Smart on Nick and Knight or whatever it was when I was very young. And then when I discovered that there was a, a movie, uh, I watched it and liked it, didn't, didn't love it even as, even as a kid. Yeah. Um, didn't like it as much as I like the show. Uh, let's see. I've already mentioned, oh, there's the in-betweeners. There's in the loop, uh, which is a, a movie of the thick of it. But is it like, or is it just the character? It's just, it has a character. From yeah. The thick of it. yeah. I don't know if I would count that because, uh, Malcolm or whatever his name is, is not the main character on the right. thick of it. He's like the most colorful character. Yeah. Uh, it's almost a spinoff more than an actual movie. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's a uh, they spun off a movie instead of a yeah. TV show. Hmm, yeah, that's interesting. Um, but yeah, that's that's uh, that's everything for me. I'm I'm interested in seeing the Many Saints of Newark. Uh, I'm I'm curious to see what it could possibly be because the what's interesting is you know the posters all around town. And the, the marketing campaign, and this is not the, the film's fault, but is just like, who created Tony Soprano? Well, no, I, it's, is that what it was? It's who made Tony Soprano. Who made Tony made, Soprano. The word made means That's fair. That's things. actually pretty clever. I appreciate it a lot more now. Um, but, uh, but yeah, like, who made Tony Soprano? And I remember just thinking, like, I don't actually care that much. Uh, but you uh, know. also, like, I mean, that's the marketing. But right. <clears throat> from what I understand, the movie's about... Christopher's father, Dickie Moltisanti. Oh, okay. That's why it's called the many saints of Newark. Cause Moltisanti means many saints. Oh. Um, you have been rewatching it. Um, and Al- yeah, Alessandro Nivola plays Dickie Moltisanti. Yeah. I like him. A and lot. that's a character that like we've seen, obviously it's a different cast. We, on the show, we saw flashbacks of Johnny boy and junior mm-hmm. and Livia. Um, but we only heard Dickie Moltisanti talked about it. We yeah. never saw Dickie Moltisanti. So I think this is, uh, but I'm, I, I haven't seen it yet, obviously, cause it hasn't existed yet, but I know some people have seen it. Um, my hope is that young Tony Soprano is, a, you know, significant, but a smaller, not the main character. I want it. Yeah. I want it to be about, about Dickie or just about, I want it to be its own thing. Yeah, I do. I do, too. And it actually I don't know. Have we ever done an episode about prequels? Uh, I don't know if we have. That's a good, I don't that's think a good we idea. have. Um, I would really like to because there's just some things that I I have. I have issues with prequels, um, specifically stuff like the Star Wars prequels, where it's like, OK, so this is something that is happening after. Uh, sorry, this is something that is made after but it takes place before. But in the case of like, like let's, let's even avoid the star Wars prequels officially. And let's just talk about like solo. And so it's like, so you mean to, you know, it it's made now with modern sensibilities and a modern pacing and a modern scale. So you mean to tell me that the events of solo led to the Han solo that I know from Star Wars A New Hope and it's just like well shit man he's capable he's totally capable of, of all of this like mm. I, I no longer have any uh, concern about what he's capable of knowing this and I f- and having not seen 
any Better Call Saul, all of that happens before Breaking Bad, yes? Mm-hmm. And part of me is just like, well, shit, he's like, Breaking Bad is nothing. It's a drop in the bucket for, for uh, Saul Goodman uh, uh, based on all of this stuff that I've Having heard watched about the before. show, it's different. It's different. Okay. Like, it's not, Better Call Saul is a show that I never would have watched my own. I wasn't at all interested, mm-hmm. but during the pandemic, which yeah. is still ongoing, yeah. now and I would like take turns switching up picking shows. And so she picked Better Call Saul and it's a, a much better show than I thought it was. It's, oh, I, it's a, it's actually really good. And, I don't mean to uh, suggest that it's not a, that it's not a good show, but more just like packing all this into this character's backstory. Just, yeah. I feel like if you were to actually watch Better Call Saul first, if you were to put this in chronological order and then watch yeah. Breaking Bad, you'd be like, uh, but I think what the, the best decision for what you're talking about in terms of Better Call Saul was to, yeah, the show's about Saul Goodman, but Mike Ehrman Trout is essentially a second lead. Yeah. And so all that stuff gets to go to, to Mike, you, right. you know, all of the crime stuff and all the stuff with like, Oh, when Gus shows up. That's Mike's story. Jimmy slash Saul's right. story is really more about him being an unethical lawyer. Oh, that's, <laughs> than, that's than being actually... like involved in the actual crimes. Although now, uh, by the end of the, cause we only have one more season left. The one that they're currently making by the end of the previous season is definitely, um, they're definitely converging, but, uh, okay. but, uh, yeah, it's that, uh, better call Saul is, especially as it goes on, there are entire plot lines and storylines that Saul has nothing to do with that are okay. Mike's, Mike's story. Yeah. And uh, I'm so I don't really good. I feel bad that I, that I was like talking about like a show I, I haven't seen, but I understand. Cause I, like I said, I, I looked down my nose at better call Saul until I watched the two. Yeah. And, uh, and again, I, I wasn't necessarily looking down my nose at the show itself more than as much as like the the instinct to make it and how that could potentially undercut yeah, what it came absolutely, from. Absolutely, yeah. Um, we, we should do an episode on that. Yeah. Um, I wanted to look up more because uh, I I want to make clear that everything I said about Dicky Multisanti whatever is just my guess because I've okay. intentionally not learned much about many saints of Newark. Okay. Um, I just took many saints Multisanti to be a clue that maybe yeah. it's more about him. Um. So I haven't looked it up. I'm hoping, I'm really hoping, the, the one bit of fan service I want, I do want to see young Artie Bucco. It's <laughs> so specific. <laughs> but uh, not if you've watched Sopranos as many times as I, right. as I have, because, um, like, the, you you pick up over there as the show, watching the show, that, like, oh, the, like, like, young Artie was, like, uh, uh, a firebrand, like a, and, you know, and a ladies' man, like mm-hmm. like not the like henpecked, like yeah, it's the saddest man in New Jersey that he is on on the show. I want to see like the young swaggering, like Josh Hartnett in the Virgin Suicides, like version of Hardy Bucco. That's what I want to see. All right, that'd be that'd be fun. Do but I don't, I don't know if he's. I haven't looked it up. I don't know okay. if, if Hardy okay. Bucco's in it or not. Well, we'll find out soon enough. I think I'm probably going to wind up seeing it uh, this weekend. Me too. I'm taking a little trip and so I'm 
going out of my way to just see whatever's available on us on any particular right. day. And so I, I'm going to prioritize that. All right. Well, other than that, you can find us at battleshipretention.com. You can email us at David at battleshipretention.com or Tyler at battleshipretention.com. You can follow uh, me on Twitter at Davey Pretension. Also, check out my other podcast, which you can find at battleshipretension.com. The one where I met your mother. Uh, it's a podcast about friends and how I met your mother. This week, uh, we watched, uh, uh, we had the first big guest stars on friends. I know that as, oh, as okay. friends goes on, they have a lot of, yes, uh, bi- big names, but we had a little bit of a, uh, uh, an NBC crossover. It was a two part episode where, uh, Helen Hunt shows up in the first half and then George Clooney and Noah Wiley show up in the second oh. half of the episode. Um, cause mad about you and all these NBC PR. things. Yeah. Yes. Uh, although Helen Hunt is playing her character from mad about you, mm-hmm the ER docs are not playing the ER characters because I guess they didn't want to have to explain why they're in New York instead of Chicago, which is where ER takes place. And then on, um, uh, the one where I met your mother, we got, uh, sorry on how I met your mother. Um, guest stars include, uh, Taryn Killam. All right. And Brian Callen. uh, Oh, oh. (laughs) yeah. Um, so, uh, but yeah, that's what we talked about this week on the one where I met your mother. Uh, you can find that at the website. You can follow Tyler on Twitter at Tyler pretension. Uh, Tyler, what do you, what do you have to plug this week? Unfortunately, as of right now, nothing. Uh, there was a film I was supposed to review, uh, but uh, that, and I may still, but I don't I think, think there, still, it's okay. Yeah. yeah you, it's just yeah. not going to be up when I want it. Yeah. We to had be. some screener difficulties. No yeah. one's fault. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, so that's, uh, so I guess be on the lookout for it. So yeah. f- go to battleship pretension.com. Uh, let's say every day and yeah, just see what's yeah, there. Definitely. Uh, all right. Well, thank you for listening. We'll get you next time. Bye. Bye. This program is a proud member of the Battleship Pretension Fleet.